Welcome everyone to today's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. The thing that's on the hot topic of everybody's lips at the moment seems to be interest rates. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about where we sit at the moment, what's likely to happen into the future, and why the RBA is actually uh, shrugging off some more rate hikes now. That's not quite what it seems, but I'll uh, get into that as we get into the, the presentation today. I also want to talk about business confidence because business confidence has been uh, very optimistic, uh, particularly in the last 12 months, and it continues to be so with sales at a record boom at the moment. And that business confidence is flowing through to the bottom line. So if companies could only find the workers they need, that's the problem at the moment because the hiring boom is... Um, is affecting all industries. You know, it used to be just the agricultural industries because we didn't have the backpackers coming in. Well, I'm afraid it's all industries and it's very, very hard to get a labour force at the moment. So I want to talk about the influences there and what that means ultimately flowing through right through to wage increase and property pricing. How the much-reported exodus from the regions might have never actually happened. That's a bit of an interesting topic where we're looking at, uh, you know, regional areas and property prices. Obviously, we've seen great increases in property prices in regional areas. But has there been that exodus? Has there been um, a, a big flow of people from from city areas to country areas? Well, I've got some stats to show you on that one. Uh, I'm also going to be looking at the property market and why it's still standing strong uh, and why vendors aren't lowering their asking prices. So we've seen a little bit of a weakening in the um, in the market. Uh, we've seen prices start to soften a little bit. Um, but we need to look at, at the longer-term effects of that. Obviously, we're going through a flux period. Every time you have an election, everybody sits on their hands and does nothing for a period of time. And that'll flow through, uh, you know, for a number of months after the election as well. So I want to talk about how uh, how the property market will respond once we get back to a status quo, I can put it in inverted commas, normal. I don't think we've had a normal since pre, uh, pre-COVID. Let's have a look at, at this chart here. So let's get, talk about the interest rates for starters. We, this, the interest rate rises that we've had so far have been the, the first interest rate rises we have had for 11 years. Incredible uh, that it's been that long since we've had an interest rate hike. But business confidence, retail sales and job ads rose higher, highlighting the underlying strength in the economy. Now, that's what you can see there with the, um, the pricing model that I'm showing you there for different levels of uh, interest rate hikes. Now, uh, when we when we talk about the bond market, now the bond market is actually pricing in a, um, a significant increase. In fact, potentially the base rate up to 2.5%. Now, I don't think that's going to happen personally because um, even if the banks are saying that, no, they're pricing in interest rate hikes of the base rate up to somewhere between 1% to 1.5%. Now, we're currently sitting at 3.5%. Uh, sorry, not 3.5%. one 0.35%, sorry. 0.35%. So uh, it's understandable if it went to one or one and a half. For it to get to 2.5, we would have to have a massive, massive 
um, jump in interest rates in the next seven months, which I personally cannot see happening. If you look at this chart here, and this really comes back to that business confidence again, and it looks at how, you know, business confidence goes up and down. And you saw there, um, you know, pre uh, coming out of out of COVID and things like that, we've been we, we zoomed up again. We came down when COVID was announced. We had a few lockdowns, and business confidence goes up and down. And it really, you know, a lot of these things, these. Um, uh, the the surveys that they do it really depends on where they do them and and who they're talking to at the time but it does show you that right across the board uh, with the exception of um, with the exception of a little bit in South Australia and a little bit in Tasmania all the rest are showing really positive business confidence which means that the um, you know their underlying profits are actually quite good and obviously when businesses are making money, uh, that it flows through to uh, to property in the end. You know, it's, it takes a, a long way to get there, but ultimately there's capitalisation, there's more jobs, there's there's investment, and ultimately it ends up in the property market. Uh, this just shows you the the same thing of the top industries. So which industries are more confident than others? And you can see there that you know um, accommodation and food industries have taken a a big step up. Because they've, uh, you know, everything's opened up again. Uh, we're seeing wholesale up, agricultural up, property and business services are up, administration and support services are up, and across the board in Australia, a lot of the, uh, you know, we're, we're confident. We're, we're above the hundred percent mark, which means that we are in positive territory from a business confidence perspective. The ones that are a little bit uh, on the downside are uh, industries like construction, which Mainly that is born from uh, increased material costs and uh, the uncertainty, I suppose, in a lot of construction now because a lot of the middle size particularly, but also some of the big boys and even some of the little ones for that matter, have contracted onto properties that they are committed to building. Uh, but their quotes and their pricing, their contracts are all on old material cost values. So uh, we will see some builders go broke. In fact, it's already started. We've started to see some of the middle-sized ones start to fall over first. I personally expect there to be more because I've, I've even known of some of the middle-sized housing builders that are buying back their contracts for ten dollars and $20,000. So if you'd signed a contract with the first homeowner's boost and the builder's boost and all of those things, which were based on uh, uh, pricing that isn't there today and much lower pricing for, for materials and labour and the whole, you know, right across the board, uh, they simply can't build them for those costs anymore. So they're going to make a loss. It is cheaper for them to buy back their contracts at 10000 to $20,000 than it is to actually build the house and make a loss. So how many times can you afford to do that? Well, it really depends on the size of the builder. So if anyone's going into construction at the moment, you really need to be doing some serious due diligence on your builder and the strength of your builder. Some of the other industries you can see there are uh, retail, still a bit soft. Mining is interesting, is a little bit soft. I wouldn't have expected that. Maybe it's the coal industry rather than the iron ore. Um, and recreation and personal and electrical gas and water are on the soft side. So we move to this chart here. Now, you can see here that uh, retail sales are up. And if you look at the blue line, you can start to see that 
you know, we are well and truly above the trend line. We were doing very well prior to COVID. Then we had the massive drop in COVID. And we've gone up and down with the lockdowns basically since then. But you can see there that we are tracking way above the trend line. So sales could actually come down quite significantly without it actually affecting um, you know, the overall trend that we've seen right back through the, the 2000s. This is the issue. We don't have enough staff. Uh, if you look at the, you know, the national job ads are up nearly 3% there, but the national um, uh, job ads over the last 12 months, uh, for the last month they were up 3%, but over the last 12 months they're actually, the job ads have increased by 22.5%. National job ads um, are uh, are up, you know, if you go back to 2019, so pre-COVID, are up 60%. My God, 60%. Now, I think the, the 60% is actually more telling than the 22% because 22% is coming off a pretty low base. You've got to remember 12 months ago, we were still kind of struggling to get out of things. But if you go back to 2019, pre-COVID, 60% increase in uh, in job ads is very, very significant, which really highlights the need for a, a bigger labour force. And what's actually happening is that wages are going up. However, a lot of the wages aren't going up, uh, you know, per se. You know, the 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 strikes that are going on uh, with the public servants and the teachers and and the nurses and whatever else. You know, all those bargaining negotiations are people staying in their jobs and negotiating a higher wage. But the biggest impact is actually coming from people changing jobs. So this is more from the private sector where people will quit their job and go to another job in order to uh, to get a higher wage. So that's actually giving the wages a, a wages creep. So uh, that's something to, uh, you know, to understand, I suppose, about that labour market. And if you look at, I think, reading the figures the other day, there was about 37% of the workforce today in this survey that was done. And as I said, you can, you know, some surveys are a, a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, but 37% were considering moving jobs for better pay. So a lot of it's coming up that way. And look, we need to. Wages have been down for too long. Uh, they haven't been keeping up with inflation. So I would expect throughout 2020 and probably into 2022, we're going to see some significant wage increases. Now, it's going to take some time for that to actually flow through to the property market in increasing costs. We've had a massive material cost increase. And what we're actually seeing at the moment, we're in this kind of a flux period where the costs have gone up, um, but the end sale price of newly completed houses hasn't hit the market yet at the higher pricing. So we've, 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 we're sort of in this bit of flux period, but that will happen, and it will happen over the next six months. So you're going to see newly constructed properties that are then going back on the market are um, are being increased in value, increased in sale price because of the absorption of all of the increase in material costs, and that hasn't that hasn't come through yet, but it will. It absolutely will in the next six months or so. If we just go back to the uh, to the slides. Um, we can see here. This is just reinforces what I said basically that Australian job advertising is up. 
where the next slide shows us the job vacancies uh, versus the advertisements. So job ads are up there in the green line and um, uh, the, uh, the you know advertisements are, 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 are lots. There's lots of advertisements that uh, are increasing, but um, they're not fulfilling the actual job vacancies that we we have. So let's move off jobs and and uh, you know what that actually means, and let's have a look at this regional exodus. Did it even happen? Look. When we start to uh, to analyse the data, the data actually suggests that the regional migration boom was actually about people moving to commutable cities. So places like the Gold Coast, places like Geelong, Newcastle, Sunshine Coast, rather than actually going bush. So people expecting true regional markets to keep on booming, well, I'm afraid you could well be disappointed. Because uh, even though some of the, um, you know, the young kids that would normally move away from the regional areas have actually stayed in the regional areas, and that's a good thing. But, you know, all of this regional boom that we speak about, it's really been the fringe areas, like, as I say, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, Geelong, Newcastle, Wollongong, where, it, where public transport is actually better, or they can do, you know, two days in the office, three days at home, or vice versa. So it's not a real, um, let's all go and live in, you know, Dubbo and Tamworth and, and um, you know, wherever else you want to pick, <laughs> Toowoomba. Um, it's really about just the commutable areas and more people are travelling. Now, how long that lasts, whether they get sick of the, you know, the roadkill going backwards and forwards between their, their satellite suburb and the city or whether the roads get upgraded or whether uh, we actually see some more um, uh, uh, better public transport and things like that. And that is happening. Um, and if that happens, the move will be permanent because uh, people will prefer to live in the, the satellite areas than being at the higher pricing in the major capital cities. This chart actually shows us the uh, the population flow from the capital cities to the regional areas. And you can see there, yes, there was an initial push when we had all the lockdowns, but really it's starting to settle down now. And the proportion of profit-making sales uh, by rolling quarter, you can see there that, uh, you know, we're, we're running in the regional areas very nicely, really. The, the, the uh, values of, of property pricing in regional areas jumped, jumped in line with what happened in the city areas. Um, and these, you can see there that, uh, you know, loss-making sales well and truly down for both capitals and the, uh, the regional areas. So across the board, um, the total net migration, yes, there's been a bit of exodus out of Sydney and Melbourne, and that's to be expected. Um, places like Hobart, pretty much nothing there, really. Darwin, nothing. Uh, but places like Perth has had an increase, and uh, Adelaide is, is, uh, is sitting at, at net neutral. But have a look at Brisbane. Massive increase there for Brisbane. And then you have a look at the regional areas and you can see there Queensland, um, you know, 16,000 uh, um, up uh, for the regional areas. But when you actually have a look at it, it's probably Sydney. It's probably the Gold Coast and, and uh, Sunshine Coast rather than, than you know, where uh, Harvey Bay or Bundaberg or any of the others. Yes, they've had some increase, but nowhere near the, what the figures are actually showing. So the net migration to the regions, you can see there, 2021 was a, uh, a big move to the regions. If you count 
as of the satellite cities as being regions um, and the annual population growth uh, there, uh, you can see their 20, 20 year average is, is about that 322,000 people a year. This is the thing that's lacking because we haven't had migration happen yet. So once we open up to international migration, what we're going to see is the floodgates open. And if our average over the last 20 odd years has been 300 odd thousand people a year, we are going to get at least that, if not more. Now, regardless of who's in power and, and uh, what their election policies actually are, I can tell you migration will be opened up towards the end of this, this year, middle to end of this year. And as soon as that happens, we are going to have a massive amount of uh, pressure on pricing, particularly in places like Sydney and Melbourne. Most of the movement at the moment has been internal and there's been a big movement to Queensland. Um, but once we open up the floodgates, well, Sydney and Melbourne are going to really get a massive increase. And you can see there, you know, we went from tracking in 2019 at nearly 400,000 new people uh, to, uh, to in 2021, 2020, 2021, we went to zero. In fact, we went minus zero. So we're actually losing people uh, from Australia rather than opening up those floodgates. So that's going to make a big impact on the property market when that happens. Now, I can't tell you when that's going to happen. So it's a political uh, policy change it has to has to happen but I can tell you in order to pay for COVID whichever government um, is in power they are going to open up the uh, the international borders so let's talk about the property market um, and how it's actually holding ground we Sydney and Melbourne are a little bit weaker um, the days on the market uh, for vendor discounting have barely changed, though. So if you have a look at these figures here, I'll just put it on the screen for you, um, and you you have a look at uh, you know how the 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 change in dwelling values for the the three months, all of them are up. Um, you've got a, a little tiny little bit of a a decrease or a softening in Sydney and Melbourne. So this is as at the end of April. Um, and this is not what the mainstream media is telling you, but that's the data. That's actually what the data is showing for the three months uh, to the 22nd, I think it is, of April that this chart goes to. You can see there that the regionals are up across all states um, and all capital cities are up with the exception of Melbourne and Sydney. But Melbourne's only down 0.1 and Sydney's only down 0.5. So it's not a it's not a massive crash. But I do expect things to weaken slightly, um, a little bit more, uh, before they open up with, with, once we start to get policy changes and we get over the election hump and all of those other things. This just shows you how, uh, the, you know, this is the, the rolling 12 months, um, and they've come off the big highs, but we were very, very high 12 months ago too. Uh, this shows you the, uh, the change in dwelling values over 12 months. Now, uh, this is a little bit, um, oh, I won't say optimistic, but it, it's showing a very positive uh, outlook because 
2021 was so huge. The, you know, the increases that we saw in 2021 were unprecedented. We had, uh, you know, in, in most areas a 20% increase and in some areas a 30% increase. So that's like, you know, once in a generational um, massive hike in, in property pricing. So and, and that's what I was telling you all last year. It's about a land grab, as much property as you can get into uh, because that's what happened in the property market. We're going to still have growth. But it's not going to be to the same uh, level of percentage increase as we've seen in 2021. I mean, God, it couldn't be, could it? Let's have a look at it. This just shows you that annual change again. And we see here, uh, you know, the, the rolling quarters across the um, across four of the capital cities there being Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Adelaide. Um, and even though... The, the markets have weakened a little bit, even in Brisbane and Adelaide, they're still really positive. It's only Sydney and Melbourne that are sitting at 0.1 and 0.5 uh, down. Even all the other capital cities, you look at Perth, you look at Hobart, Darwin, ACT, they're all up. They're all up for the, uh, for the quarter. And 2.7, 2.4, 2.2, You know, you multiply that by four and you've got a very significant price increase if that's what's going to continue to be projected. This just shows you the capital cities and how, um, you know, the, uh, how they've, the, the property prices have gone and you can see, uh, you can see on the chart there, you know, the lower 25% is the dark purple, uh, or the medium sized purple. The light purple is the medium, uh, 50% and the, the highest 25% values are the, um, are the dark ones. And, and this, this chart is actually very telling because what it shows is that the biggest movement has been at the top end of town. Uh, so, you know, the, the biggest movement is there, uh, at, uh, you know, with, with very high, highly priced properties. This is a change in sales or volume. I always like to look at sales volume because it really gives an indication of, um, what's actually happening because it's one of the first indicators, uh, for change in a market is sales volume. When sales volume starts to drop off, uh, we start to see pricing start to start to weaken. And similarly, when, when sales volume starts to increase, it, uh, you'll see a, a market that will start to heat up. It's one of the precursors to what prices will actually do. As we move on, we can have a look at here. This is the uh, monthly uh, sales for six months moving average, and basically, it's telling the same story that we've, uh, you know, we've been we've been talking about. Uh, the median days on the market. Uh, the only one that's really started to step out in days on the market is the Northern Territory, and that's to be expected. I mean, it, it, you know, it really was a boom while we had. Uh, you know, while it was in lockdown and people had to work in Northern Territory, so they rented up there and bought up there and all of those things. So there was a big boom at that point, but, um, it wasn't going to last. And, and, you know, that's what I was, I've been telling you as well. If we go back to the chart. You can see, uh, South Australia's days are starting to creep out a little bit. Um, Darwin, obviously, uh, regional, uh, regional Northern Territory, regional South Australia. Um, Adelaide, tiny bit you can see there. But most of the days on the market are really tight. I mean, if you've got days on the market of 30, 37%, 16%, 19% for Brisbane, you know, 28%, that's really low. 
you think about when you sell a property, how quickly do you want it to sell? Well, obviously you want to sell it in a week. But the reality is we're very used to properties sitting on the market for one month, two months, sometimes three months before they actually sell. So this is nothing to, you know, this is still showing a really, really strong market. Median days on the market, that just shows you in another format how it looks um, and how the days on the market came down substantially in 2021, which is what I said before, hot, hot market, therefore the days on the market come down and they've just started to increase, but only slightly and have started really to level off more than anything else. This is a chart of discounting. So this is when you put the property on the market, how much the vendor ends up dropping the price before it actually sells. Um, and again, this isn't much, you know, we're talking about two and a half percent, three percent, four percent is the most, most, which is regional WA, and that's to be expected. Uh, Darwin again to be expected. Hobart, interestingly, uh, is showing, uh, you know, a four percent there, but most of the rest are in two percent and three percent, which is well in order with what you'd expect for a pretty, you know, pretty buoyant market bubbling along doing its thing. That again, it's the same chart but I'm just showing it to you in a uh, in a line chart rather than a bar chart so it's interesting times and uh, when you start to have a look at the um you know, the, the bigger picture of what's happening. We're in a flux period. That's where we are. We're in a flux period, which is expected because of elections um, and because of, you know, uh, interest rates, uncertainty and things like that. But as I said, we've got a really strong underlying economy. We, uh, we've got more dem- demand than we have supply. And that alone should tell you that there is a lot of strength in the property market. Um, we've got good wages growth. It's, it's happening slowly. Inflation's a little bit high, but a lot of that is imported inflation because it's from the fuel, uh, you know, fuel pricing going up and the war in Ukraine and then China doing its business and Middle East having a bit of a fluffle and all of those sorts of things. So it's a lot of it's imported. Freight is the biggest thing because all that fuel th- flows through to freight and, uh, you know, all of our imported goods have now gone up. In fact, if you look at the Shanghai Freight Index, it has trebled since pre-COVID. Trebled, so it's three times what it costs to, uh, you know, to get a shipment of whatevers from from China to Australia. Three times, so that's what's pushing up pricing. A lot of it is imported, particularly with fuel. Um, and, you know, I can't say what, what Putin's going to do and what the war's going to do and, you know, NATO and all of that sort of rubbish. Uh, but while ever there is that uncertainty, you will have a flux period. But, the, you know, the economy will settle down. The economy's going to tick along. We are very, very strong, particularly compared to a lot of the other Western countries. Um, we've got a really strong sound base and we will open the doors to uh, immigration. All of those things factor into price increases over the next few years. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to get on your bike. You can't be sitting on the sidelines being a scaredy cat. And now is not the time to do that. So my thought for the week, it always seems impossible until it's done. And the second quote I've got here for you is big journeys begin with small steps. So start your big journey right now. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, you've got to get off the sidelines. It is time to take action. You need to be uh, taking action in a smart way, though. Don't just go and buy a lot of the stuff that is being touted at the moment, off the plan stuff, um, things that are, uh, you know, uh, not even built yet. 
things that where they're offering rental guarantees. That's all the rubbish in the market. You've got to learn how to do a deal where you make money in the market regardless of what the market actually does. So that is why I'd like you to take up one of my 60-minute uh, real estate breakthrough sessions with one of my advisors. Now they're standing by. There's a, all you got to do is click through or go to iloveRealEstate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. And all you need to do then is, uh, click on one of the times, put it in your diary. Don't, uh, you know, don't miss the time frame. And, uh, my advisors will be there to assist and, to, and talk to you about how you can actually move forward in the right manner and how you can uh, kick some goals. You know, 2022 is about kicking goals, and it's time to start. We're nearly halfway through, so it's, you know, you don't want to be dilly-dallying on the sidelines anymore. So click through or go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions and forward slash and have an appointment with one of my advisors. They're about 60 minutes long, and they'll help you with... Um, you know, how you can start to, to, uh, move forward. Come ready with your goals. Uh, know what your goals are. Know what you want to achieve over the next few years. Because the more prepared you are, the more we can actually help you in one of those sessions. And they're free. So that's it for me, guys. Thank you very much for listening this week. And I'll be back again to talk to you real soon. So bye for now. <music>